Good evening. Welcome to Christ Church. I am Pete Stearns. I'm our middle school pastor and I'm thankful for just the chance to share with you tonight. Uh, Before we begin, let's just open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are just so thankful for this opportunity to uh, enter into your courts. Lord, we pray that, that our hearts would be like that psalmist. And Lord, recognize that one day in your courts is better than thousands elsewhere. Lord, as we sit for a moment, let us just invite you into this space. Let us open our hearts to your word and let us learn something new from you tonight. In your name, amen. Now, as a youth pastor, I have never been very good at science. Not exactly one of my strong suits. In fact, I almost failed out of my senior year physics class in high school. It was by the grace of my science teacher that I was able to pass. Um, But at Wheaton College, I did have a geology course in the Black Hills of South Dakota. And during this course, we spent a lot of our time focused on the earth that was below us. Uh, And in one particular class, we were studying the earth's core. And we found out in that class that the Earth's core is built of two different parts, the inner and the outer core. The inner core is this dense and heavy, solid metal object. It's the heaviest materials in all the world that have sunk all the way to the center of the Earth. And it is spinning slowly eastward. And then surrounding that is this molten lava shell that is spinning to the west. And as they spin around each other, they create an energy, kind of like a generator. And that energy produces a magnetic field. And the reason that's important is because the magnetic field um, traps our atmosphere in and protects us from any gases or radiation that's coming from our solar system. Essentially, it it allows us to live. Without that magnetic field, we would be incinerated. Without the core of that earth, we would fall apart. We'll come back to that in a second. This last few weeks, we've been studying unbreakable communities. We've been talking about what does it mean to be in relationships that are unbreakable, relationships that stay with us in the good times and the hard, relationships that are a fuel for us to continue living each day. In the first week, we we talked about the importance of of surrounding yourselves with others that are going to be encouraging you and walking alongside of you. Next, we talked about how within those relationships, we need to be adamant in encouraging one another and motivating each other towards good works so that our communities might not just be for ourselves, but would be for God and his kingdom. We talked about the role that communication plays in developing those strong communities And last week, we took a look at the worth of spending time together. But the reality is, is those are all symptoms of an unbreakable community. Communication, time together, encouragement, those come from unbreakable communities. They're pieces of the puzzle, but there needs to be a core to which all of them are held. And so the question becomes, what is the core? What brings me back to these communities? When times are hard, what holds us together? 
many of us would understand. And if, if any of our relationships we simply left after the first bad thing happened, we would miss out on the highest peaks of those relationships. And so if we're not centered around something outside of our own ever-changing emotions and desires, then how can we be assured that our relationships are unbreakable? So what is this core? What is at the center? What is vital to the very existence? Well, if we look to rock legend John Lennon, he would have us believe that it's love. The Beatles' hit song, All You Need Is Love, professes that even if everything else fails, even if all is lost, if you have love, your relationship will survive. I'm not going to sing it, but I'm sure you're all familiar with it. And truth be told, there's another John from Scripture that affirms this. Turns out the Beatles weren't far from the truth. And tonight we're going to be opening to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And we're going to be taking a look at, at what that love means for us. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the author of 1 John. The author of 1 John is the Apostle John. He's one of Jesus' 12 disciples. You'll remember that he was a fisherman. He and his brother James, alongside Peter and Andrew, were fishing at the beach one day, and Jesus walks by and, without ever meeting them before, invites them to be a part of his unbreakable community. He asked them to drop everything in their life to follow him. And sure enough, John lays down his nets, and he enters into the inner circle of our Lord and Savior. You see, John was, was a disciple that Jesus loved. Jesus recognized a passion and a desire for truth in him that he didn't see in others. In fact, Jesus even nicknamed John one of the sons of thunder because of his passion. I'm sure all of us in this room hope that when we go to heaven, Jesus has some cool nickname for us as well, right? He is one of the sons of thunder because of his passion and desire for his Savior. But John is more than just a passionate fisherman. He's a poet, an author of large portions of our New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote these three letters to the church. And he wrote the conclusion of Scripture in Revelation. And in his writing, he eloquently talks about the Spirit of God and about how our lives are tightly woven into the kingdom of heaven. He's a pastor. Well into his old age, he walks along the side of the church, lifting them up, providing the foundation they need to explode into what it's become today. He's a theologian that carefully crafts arguments about who God is and what his character is. And as he comes to this church, he realizes that, um, that they're having a hard time discerning between heresy and truth. Followers of Jesus are having a hard time understanding who is speaking of God and who is speaking from man. And it's in this need that John lays out the character of God. And he affirms that if these people are speaking and these 
characteristics, these virtues are evident in their word, you can be assured that it is God. And if they are absent, you can be assured that it is not from him. And so in 1 John, he goes through and he talks about how God is life. And he takes time to explore that. He talks about how God is light in the darkness and explores what light looks like in our world. And finally, he talks about how God is love. And it's this last virtue, this last characteristic that we're going to jump into today. So let's open our scriptures together. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. You can see the poet in John as he talks about this love that, that dwells in God and dwells in our relationships. He starts by establishing that all love comes from God. Even that which is marred and broken and corrupted, all love is given to us from God. And then he continues that thought to say that, that actually love is God. And that any experience of love that we have is an opportunity to catch a glimpse of who God is. God at his very foundation, at his very core, is perfect love. As the scripture goes on to say later. And finally he says that if we love each other, we reveal God's nature to the world. That if our relationships, if our communities are founded on this core of love, then we will be a testament to God's existence in this world. Theologian A.E. Brooks says, Human love is a reflection of something in the divine nature itself. When we enter into relationships founded in love, we reflect God. We reflect his love into our world. So if love is the core, if it's at the very center of these unbreakable communities, then the health and durability of those relationships directly correlates to the integrity of that love. In other words, love is a spectrum. And if on the one hand we have God over here who is perfect love, all the way over here on the other side we have the love that I have for a cheeseburger and fries, right? And somewhere in between those love is where the love in our communities stands. And the closer we are to cheeseburger love, the more shakable we are. And the closer we are to this perfect love, this foundational love, this love that is God, the more unbreakable our communities will become. So how do we emulate that love in our relationships? 
How do we make sure that the love that's at the center of our relationships is not over here, but instead is pointing directly at God and reflecting him to the world? I'm a huge fan of celebrity impersonations, okay? And I'm not talking about your uncle at the family reunion that tells you he has a killer George Bush imitation or, or the guy that always is yelling at you, you know, that, that guy friend that's always saying, get to the chopper or whatever it may be. I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about professionals that have dedicated their entire life to impersonating celebrities. People like Tina Fey, Jimmy Fallon, Frank Caliendo, people that have spent so much time perfecting their craft. People that their, their imitation causes us to have blurred lines between reality and personification. This past week, I was listening to a sports talk radio program. And in this program, there were two sportscasters and Charles Barkley. Okay, and this is on the radio, and so they're all calling in, so no one's really seeing themselves. And if you don't know, Charles Barkley is a basketball legend, and to put it lightly, has a very unique linguistic style. It's very easy to poke fun at. And they call, on this show, they call Frank Caliendo in. And Frank Caliendo, as I said before, um, is just one of these all-time great impersonators. And he has a pretty good impersonation of Charles Barkley. And so as the radio program goes on, it just becomes hysterically confusing as Charles Barkley is arguing with fake Charles Barkley and they go back and forth and real Charles Barkley starts to get frustrated, but Frank Caliendo then emulates that frustration and gets frustrated back so that the radio DJs have no idea who is talking to who. And as a listener, you can just sit there and chuckle. Now, Frank Caliendo didn't just get good at impersonating by hearing Charles Barkley once. He dedicated hours upon hours to listening to his voice, to studying tapes of him speaking, to picking up on small nuances in his patterns, slight changes in voice inflections, facial cues, and after he had spent hours upon hours just listening, then he began to practice. And I'm sure he started practicing just in a room by himself, lining it up with the tape. And after he got good at that, he began to share it probably with his close friends, his family, before it finally was made perfect. Till finally his imitation became almost reality. You see, he spent time after time listening so that he could then emulate. This is a perfect model for how we can achieve this kind of love in our relationships, that we can achieve this perfect love over here. If we just hear God, if we just come to church occasionally or, or on every Sunday, but that's, that's the depth of study that we're doing, that's the depth of dwelling we have with our Lord and Savior, it's going to be incredibly hard to imitate the love that he has for us. It'll be incredibly difficult to emulate this perfect love in our relationships. And if this perfect love, this love that is Jesus Christ, is not at the very core of our relationships, then they will be susceptible to being broken when the waves of life come crashing down. 
But if we're willing to put in the time, if we're willing to carefully study the nuances of the character of our God, if we're willing to sit and listen, if we're willing to dedicate our lives to understanding who God is, then the core of our relationships will be founded in him and they will not be easily shaken. Tonight we're going to have a chance to share in communion with one another. Communion is the very remembrance of God's love. Verse 9 says that God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take our way our sins. We have the perfect launching board into this new type of life, this new emulation of our Savior. A chance to remember the very love that he showed to us in sending his son. But let it not stop there. Let it continue to permeate every, every portion of our life this week. Let's try to find ourselves digging deeper into Scripture, sitting in quiet, praying fervently. Because if we don't root ourselves in this perfect love, we'll find that our communities will be easily broken. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be rooted in your love. Lord, we thank you for the gift of love that you have poured out upon us. Lord, we pray that as we remember that love tonight, that, Lord, it would spur us on to live a life of indwelling in you. Lord, we pray that this week we would study you. We would spend time with you. And we would be enveloped in this love of yours. Lord, let us be reflections of this very love to your world. In your name, amen. Well, friends, we are going to come to the Lord's table together and the history of the church throughout the ages, throughout the centuries, is that we enter into a time of confession together before coming to the table for all of those places where we've probably loved less than we should have. I know for me, it's pretty much once an hour at least, right? So